Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Content warning, we will be discussing child sexual abuse and child exploitation on this episode. I was just like, you know what? I'm single. Let's see what's going on. All right. Go on like this. Um, are we you, recording? No, we are recording, but um, you don't have to talk about that. That's okay. Time. I don't care. So I won't say the, the club, but I was like, I'm single. Let's see what's going on out there. You know, maybe I can like have fun or at least watch. And then yeah. you have to like give them your picture and like a little bit of like your email. And then they're like, we first have to make sure you're okay. It was like pages of rules. And I was like, okay, I guess that's good because they want to make sure everybody's, you know, clean and there for the right reasons. Sure. But then they immediately went for me and they're like, yeah, come on board. And then I started getting all these messages from people that's like, hey, here's my private number. Call me. And I was like, that's against the rules. So I'm not even I haven't paid them a dime. And no. I'm already like, you know what? No. Yeah. One of our mutual friends has done some of those. But I think it's better if you get an invite from a personal acquaintance. Yeah, I guess it's kind of crazy for me to be like just showing up. It's not that. I mean, I think I don't think it's that uncommon. No. Welcome to Someplace Underneath. I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. And on that note, please always tell somebody if you're going to a sex party, give them your location, drop a pin somewhere. Yeah. You can't just go to strangers without anybody knowing where you are because I don't know if you're new here, but this show <laughs> is about missing. Yeah, you might go missing. You might be a missing woman. Yes, Jeff Foxworthy. So, yeah, I think it's a good lesson for everybody. Yeah, they were immediately going against all like, these pages of rules. And I was like, if I haven't even signed up and then it's already iffy, I'm going to go with my gut here. Yeah, I think seriously, get a referral from somebody or find one of your sex positive friends who has some insight. You know, you always want to go to somebody who has a little bit of, you know, expertise in anything you do, including, right. you know, putting your house together, going to a sex party. Right. You know, I don't know. Like, those are the only two things that I know of. That's it. Just Natalie. That's all you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're safe. I went to Not So Scary Farm. Oh, fun. Again, it was fucking 
awesome roller coasters galore, mm. right? Yeah, Knott's Berry Farm's got some of the sickest roller coasters and one of our favorites because you are strapped in, ass out, straddling a horse. It's a roller coaster and it's absolutely insane that exists in the world and that it's, I guess, legal, I assume. Wow. Well, you love roller coasters. Like we were taking a ladies trip and we passed by this roller coaster that looked pretty dangerous. And you're like, we got to go. We got to go. Amber, that is called an alpine slide. Okay. (laughs) It was like a little bitty like rack, like going down a mountain. It was that thing. Okay. The one in Big Bear, which is the one we passed. Yeah. Is excellent. It is so good. Highly recommend to anybody out there, go to the Alpine Slide at Big Bear. My friends would not go with me. It just looks like I'm like a, a coal miner in like 1800s that like I'm going to get an arm chopped off or some black lung. Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that can happen on anything. <laughs> it can happen on a car, in a car. Yeah. You just slide on down, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's a roller coaster if you start at the top, you know? That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. So speaking of not at the top, how about to the very bottom of humanity we go today? Actually, I want to say last week's was more of the bottom of humanity, if you recall. The parents who sell their children's images to pedophiles, basically. All right. But we got another case kind of like that today. There's a few. (laughs) Sorry to jump the shark on this one. I know you're biting your nails. Oh, Man, and there's so many come flying at me. Have you seen the guy who's been trending who's now privated his account, which is a good thing, but I'm still concerned. Like, we need to check on what's going on there. It's the thirst trap foster dad. So he's, like, adopting kids with a shirt off or something? He's fostering kids who are not his, showing their faces while he's, like, doing TikTok sensual dances and oiling his chest. And then, what? like, cradling somebody's baby and, like, kissing the baby. That is so unsexy. Build a house. What are you doing making TikToks? Yeah, I think that there is a chance that he was just trying to do like semi funny, sexy things for adult women. I hope I hope it's not some weird dog whistle thing that he was doing. But yuck. I think he probably wants to be like the guy that cuts wood. There's some guy on TikTok that all he does is cut wood. There's no kids involved, but his shirt's off. He's like, oh, I'm going to cut this log. That sounds great. And it's just women that are like, I cut the log, baby. I'm happy for him. This is lady porn. Yeah, sure. I think maybe this is indicative of how much some of us in society look at babies as things that you get to just use for your own needs. Let's stop doing that. Yeah. What do we say? What do we say, everyone? I'm not even going to talk about that guy anymore because he made his account private and hopefully, I don't know, hopefully he's like, I don't know, CPS isn't really doing a good job most of the time. I don't know if anybody's going to investigate him, but I'm tired. I don't know. He he definitely seems like the kind of guy that approaches you at the club and like just does too much. And you're just like, oh, 100 percent out of here. And suddenly he has a baby he pulls out of his messenger bag that he's carrying. You're like, where'd this baby come? This is a nightclub, sir. And he's like, oh, isn't it sexy? He rubs the baby on his stomach. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I feel like that is uh, accurate to what this man would have been like. He's in L.A. too, by the way, Amber. Of so course if you wanna... he is. Of course he is. <laughs> we want to try to meet up with him. There's so many people here that just have no base in reality. Yes. Including Correct. myself. Correct. And that was the thing with Hollywood kids is that usually they all just ended up in L.A., right? We were all in one collective spot of mess, the cesspool here. And now, with TikTok and YouTube, 
They're all over the country, baby. L.A. can be in Ohio if you want. Mm -hmm. Which is what's happening. And we had mentioned at the end of last episode that we were going to briefly go into some of the people who have started to grow into adults who were formerly vlogged children and how they're addressing that and how they feel about it. And I'm going to say probably there's one or two that are like really happy about it, but most of them aren't. No. Turns out. There's like one Natalie Portman out of all these child actors. Right. And she still had to like be in a movie where she was being sexualized as like an eight year old, even though it's technically a good movie, The Professional. But, you know, and then she at least had to learn something like a skill that she went to college. Yeah, exactly. She is probably a well adjusted out of, you know, a million people who've been in the situation. So. I actually just found in a Reddit post from the very famous account, Am I the Asshole? Amber, you've heard of that, right? I know. I love that account. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. It's basically where people post anonymously and ask. They pose something that happened in their life and then they need to know, am I the one who's the asshole or is maybe the other person the asshole? So this thread, I guess, became very popular about three years ago when I just found it. And it is where a child of a mommy vlogger was turning to this Reddit thread to ask for help. So this is some excerpts from that. I am a teenager and my mom is kind of famous on Instagram and blogging. She had a mommy blog all when I was growing up. And of course, me and my sister were always involved. It sucks because there's so much out there about us. And it's what's going to come up when I'm looking for a job, when I'm dating, when anyone looks at my name. I found a website that will print custom jackets, print all over the front and back and arms. I ordered some hoodies that say a bunch of phrases all over them. No photos. No videos. I do not consent to be photographed. No means no. Respect my privacy. No cameras. No profiting off my image. It sounds silly, but it's pretty sick, actually. I got one for me and one for my nine-year-old sister who started to not always want photos. My mom was mad when they showed up and really mad when I'm wearing mine. Like she says, she just wants pictures to remember my young years by. She won't post ones without asking. But I know that's a whole mess anyway. She always says that and then negotiates me into letting her post, like either by saying that's how she makes income. So if I want money for something to stop arguing about pictures or posting without asking and then saying I thought it would be okay because your face wasn't visible. You're just in the background, etc. Ugh, a jacket like that. I mean, I think that's a really fun idea for the kid to be like. This is them taking back like bodily autonomy. It's like having those hoodies saying, I do not consent to you taking pictures. It sounds like the kid has a lot more sense than the mother in this yeah. situation. But that was just very striking because that is directly, you know, the mom saying the quiet part out loud to her kids at home being like, do you want a new PlayStation? Do you want to eat? Yeah. Even more than you want toys. Like, do you want us to pay the mortgage this month? If you don't want your picture taken, it's going to be your fault. We're living on the street because of you. Yeah. That um, guilt and that shame. Mm-hmm. Awful. You know, she's probably correct that her account wouldn't pop off without the kids. People don't want to see her. They want to have an invasive relationship with their kids. And she is not only fine with it, she is forcing them to do it. And those people online want full access to those kids. I'm really proud of that kid. I think that's fucking honestly a really yeah. badass idea. I wish that they didn't have to do that in the first place, but if they got to. So the people, you know, who want to see the family, want to see the kids, they don't really care about the mom. 
And that's probably accurate. And there's, you know, some statistics to point to that and also to point to the concept that a lot of people are tuning into these channels to do whatever weird stuff they want with the kids' videos. According to a British political magazine called The New Statesman, one creator saw her percentage of male viewers drop from 40 to 17 percent of her audience when she disabled the ability for her videos to be downloaded. 40 to 17 percent? Dudes? Yeah. What are these dudes looking at these kids? Well, Apparently, they were there to download the videos and watch them later. Wow. Do you think they're like looking at it for parenting advice? Yeah. Like how to raise my kids. Yeah. I, I want to be were a good just, dad. I think they just really wanted to be good dads. They, yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> then there's another young woman who goes by the handle Soft Scorpio. Oh, I like that name. I yeah. like Scorpios. I, I do, too. I think that they're fun. Yeah. She has spent, she, they are her pronouns. She spent a considerable amount of energy trying to reach out to moms and parents on TikTok because of her own history of being a vlogged child. She is now a young adult woman. Let's listen to that. This is just going to kind of be a little one-on-one conversation with a lot of mommy TikTokers. This is not a video to attack you guys. This is just me trying to get you to see from a child's perspective who had their life posted continuously online. And this is me really, really hoping that you'll hear to what I have to say. My entire life, my entire childhood, whether that was when I was sick, when I got my period, embarrassing moments, whatever, it was all posted on the internet. I had no privacy growing up. Absolutely no privacy. People who I didn't even know existed were knowing such personal things about my life. And sure, maybe this wasn't my mother's intentions, but it opened me up to experience so much predatory behavior from the male viewers from her profile. You know what? Despite how good her intentions were, despite her efforts of trying to protect me and keep me safe from the creeps, it didn't work because they had access to me and they knew everything about me. Keep that in mind next time you post your kid. So Soft Scorpio goes on to explain that her mother would also often spice up the script of their life, exaggerating her health issues, making it more dramatic, much like, you know, reality television. So my mom constantly posting about me online had always affected me. Always, always, always. Because also not everything that my mother posted online was true about me. A lot of the times she would fabricate the severity of my health issues or just completely lie about them. Like she tried to tell people I had cancer when I had MRSA. So but then around middle school age, it started to affect me in ways that were beyond abusive. Like I said, not everything she would post about me online was true. So she would fabricate things and basically make my family think I was one, really unstable or two, just like doing crazy harmful shit. A lot of people in my family started clocking that and then they would directly ask me like, what's going on? Your mom only ever posts online when it's about you. So that's when I started getting alienated away from the entire family when I could start speaking for myself. Oh, it really ruined our relationship. (laughs) Oh, so she's like, so she growing up thinking I must always be wrong, being lied about. To be honest, this young woman who has been very open about certain struggles she's had is way more well adjusted than I would (laughs) I would have probably come out at the other end because she can at least differentiate between understanding when her mom was not telling the truth. Because sometimes that gets confused in the kid's head. Like they don't know which thing is real anymore. What is the truth? Yeah. So with her mom like exaggerating health issues and stuff. And this is speculation on my end. But I think that that's more prevalent in social media than we actually realize. I think that 
we think of like the Dee Dee Blanchards. Do you know that story, Mommy Dead and Dearest? Oh, is that why I hang out? Uh, no, this is a real, a true story from a few years ago. A mother who had what is considered Munchausen by proxy kept her daughter sick. And then the daughter ended up killing the mother. It's sad, but it's an interesting story. If you're not familiar with that story, you want to look into it. But I think we think of that sort of medical uh, exaggeration or straight out lying as more of those unusual cases of the Dee Dee Blanchards, where, yes, that level of lying to be considered Munchausen by proxy is probably relatively uncommon because that's an actual diagnosed condition, which is also known as facetious disorder imposed on another. But I do think that we do see it on a micro scale, not a diagnosed mental disorder, but in a micro scale of that and a lot of family vloggers and what they are spreading to the masses in order to get that edge they need to get attention oh, in a very saturated market. Yeah, you can't be a regular family. You've got to have these bombastic things. Right. And these are just kids thrown in the mix that are like, but I just want a normal childhood. And I don't have cancer. <laughs> and I don't have cancer. <laughs> Even in the, just the process of trying to catch attention, like the one family that we discussed, I believe in part four, who clickbaited that one of their daughters had cancer, only to learn that when you watch the video, they were actually exploiting someone else's daughter who had cancer and just were talking about how sad they would be if their own daughter had cancer. Fucking mooks, man. Oh, did they have like a like GoFundMe or anything? No, they clickbaited people to watch because they have such a huge following, millions of followers. To get people to watch the video, they tricked people into thinking the daughter who they'd all become attached to through this parasocial relationship was dying of cancer. And so all the people click it and then they're just like, but what if she did, though? Wouldn't that be sad? God, that's so foul. Yeah. So... That's obviously not the deepest depths of an intention a hungry parent will go to in these situations, as we talked about last episode. We're not going to go too far into that this week, but it's of interest to note that even before the quick bites of TikTok, mommy vloggers were already doing their best to sexualize their children. This is, again, Soft Scorpio speaking on a situation she went through with her mother when she was in second grade, so probably around seven or eight. I was allowed to have a MySpace page when I was like in second grade. I remember sitting there with my parent answering all of those like very invasive, um, especially for a child, questions that would be public on your MySpace page. One of those constantly sticks out to me because I always think about it. One of the questions was, what color is your underwear? Me, as a literal child, I felt really awkward and embarrassed. And I was just straight up because I was a child. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm wearing my Little Mermaid underwear. This is exactly what happened next. You can't put that online. Let's just say you're wearing black underwear. That's more sexier. I was, in, I was a second grader. I was a second grader. Then when Facebook came around, that's when it got really bad. She had hers. I had mine when I was in fourth grade. And that's when all the, oh, can you just pose like this for me? Can you just say that one more time so I can get it on camera started happening? You don't know what sexy is in second grade. Why would you want your second grader to be? You know, colors and shapes and sharing. Oh. Sexy. Why would you want that? Why would you want your second grader to be sexy? That is, man, man. And, you know, as much as I can, like, harp on, like, my own family stuff, they at least protected me from these kind of men, you know? They didn't make you pretend you were wearing lacy panties? <gasps> no, it was, in fact, the very opposite. It was like, close your legs. Yeah. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yeah, you need to wear a chastity belt and make sure that none of them get to you because it'll be your fault. Right. Which is the other side of the spectrum. It's the other side of the spectrum. But boy, oh boy, black panties on a two-year-old. Probably like a seven or eight-year-old. I'm sorry, Second second grade. Yep. Which is not really any better. So all of these kids growing up and sort of speaking out is happening in real time or all around us currently as well. One family vlogger who we spoke of, I believe also in parts four and three, her YouTube account is basically depicting her Mormon family and their hijinks and whose name is Ruby. One of her daughters just recently became an adult and moved out of the house. And this daughter has taken her last name out of her social media, has unfollowed her mom's various accounts, and has actually spoken up a little bit on her social media. And a story just, uh, I think this was last week, writing. I know that there are many rumors circulating online about my family. While it is true I am not in contact with my immediate family and don't support the extreme beliefs of... Please remember that this is my real family. So that group that she just mentioned is a radical conservative group co-run by her mother. We did reference it in one of the other episodes. She goes on to say, I'd like to ask for privacy for me and my family as we work through this very difficult situation. Please respect my privacy as I work through my own healing as well. So this child has been a very, very well-known vlogged child for, I think they started in 2015. 15, 2014, and has now just reached 18 years old, and she cut her family off. I mean, unfollowing your mother, like in this kind of frame. In that world. In that world, that's just like, don't ever call me again, don't ever talk to me again. Yeah, and it's sad because this young woman is clearly a very gentle soul, and she's not doing this to like be edgy or be mean. It's like you can see in her words and in her actions that she's trying to try to make sense of all of the stuff that's happened to her. Very similar to when Jill Duggar, one of the older Duggar sisters, has done the same where she's, you know, chosen to cut off contact with family while she's working through therapy and stuff like that. So we're watching this in real time. This person cut off contact, at least for the moment, temporarily with her parents. Granted, part of that, you know, disillusion appears to be due to the She doesn't agree with the values espoused on her family's channel. She hasn't openly said it's because my mom was filming me in the bathroom. But time will tell if she's ever wanting to talk publicly about the thoughts she has about the documenting of her entire home life. Wow. And reshaping your entire brain. That's a lifetime of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is really her first chance to have an opportunity to even consider her own thoughts because she was homeschooled most of the time and was really only exposed to her family. Even though her family was exposed to millions of people, she was quite isolated. Wow. I mean, really watch out because that's also how you go to other cults quickly. 
It's true. Yeah, it definitely does. This girl does, for what it's worth, seem like she has a really strong head on her shoulders. And she also, I think, has some good influences outside of her immediate family. So, you know, I I hope she'll she'll be able to work it out and hopefully get some counseling and stuff. However, this week we're actually starting to address an entirely different genre (laughs) of parasocial exploitation, a different flavor, Mm. the predators of scene kids. Oh, scene. Now, so what is a scene kid, Natalie? Well, I mean it in two meanings of the word. There's an actual music scene called scene music. Like really? Scene. Yeah. Is it that band I was looking up and I was like, this music kind of sucks. Uh, which one? The one from today? Yeah. Yes. I was like, people like this music? I mean, children. Okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe but, that's why I listened to it. I was like, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I mean it in that sense, but I also mean it in the general niche artist who uses their platform specifically for a specific audience of people. I mean that as well as scene. So like, for example, I grew up in the punk scene. There's, you know, the art Uh, scene. There's like the swing dance music scene. (laughs) Those are fun. That's a fun group. And I guess when you're young, your brain is sort of forming. You want a group of people. Mm -hmm. And then here comes, you know, what is music? But it's sort of like a coercion of this vibe of the scene. You're like, oh, I fit into this. I like this, whatever this is. And so now you're like going down this breadcrumb trail and hopefully it leads to somewhere good. Right. And it can. For me specifically, I was very fortunate in the punk scene that it was mostly pretty protective of the younger kids, even though there were mostly, I was around mostly adults by the time I was 15. I didn't have a lot of terrible experiences there, which is great. I'm sure that's not the same case for everybody who's been hanging out in the punk scene, but there are some, (laughs) including I would say someone in like scene music, specifically because it is a very specific kind of music that doesn't appeal to adult ears very much. It's a lot of like, and not emo, but like, why, 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 yeah. you're a good girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're but, such a good girl. But with like kind of shitty guitar and like a synthesizer and yeah. And it's not all bad. No hate to anybody who likes that kind of music. I like lots of garbage music, so it's like I still like, you know, corn. So, sure. Hey, so a lot of times in these sort of niche scenes, there will be an ability for an artist to use their platform to specifically target vulnerable people and minors to extort things like sexting, nudes, and sometimes just straight up sexual assault. Oh, God. But there, you know, he's the leader. He's the leader of the scene. He's speaking to me. He's like, he gets me. He I'm gets, mature I'm, for my age. Right. So we're all watching this Adam Levine thing play out, right? I'm not using him as the example for this because it's not the same, but he is on a very large scale doing something that you could compare it to, which is. He's using his platform to sort of go into the DMs of much younger, less powerful women. I know we all have our own personal thoughts about the situation, and I'm not even, you know, here to talk about that. But it is the sort of adult, sleazy, yet legal version of a parasocial power dynamic at play, right? So also just, you know, unrelated, naming the child your wife's carrying 
after one of your mistresses is definitely a new level of deranged being unlocked. Oh my, has the child been born yet and already no. named? Okay, so at least the child hasn't been born and she's not like two years old or whatever and like, yeah. who am I named after? It's like, yeah. well, your daddy had an affair. <laughs> and then he wanted to name you after her for some reason. All right. I mean, if I was the, the wife, I fucking, I'd, where do I get divorce papers? Woo, I'd leave in a Corvette so fast. <sighs> Yeah, fucking scarf and sunglasses. She also has her own career, too. She's like, she needs him. No, she's a but... Victoria's Secret model. Also, did you see Nick Cannon, one of his ladies he impregnated? She hadn't been able to sleep for like three days. It was like, I need a maid. I need a wet nurse or something. And he's like, who's going to pay for that? And she's like, you're the father of the child. Is that something that just happened? Yeah. I think he has two women pregnant currently. Nick Cannon. Oh. We're not here to talk about that, but you can probably hear more discourse about it on Last Podcast Network's page seven. Yes. But I, I do like a little bit of gossip. I got to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, OK, so the Adam Levine thing is not why we're here, but it is that on a wider scale kind of concept where suddenly everybody knows who you are and never in history have artists just been able to, like, go right to your mailbox <laughs> if they want something from you. And now they can. So. There are a variety of genres, fandoms, music scenes, anything that gives people a little corner friends to relate to, like you said, Amber. For me, it was punk. Amber, I don't know. Would you consider when you were a young adult woman, like the comedy scene is like your little niche corner when you got to New York? Or Yeah, I definitely fell right into that. You know, a lot of like improv and then sketch and then from there to stand up. And everyone was really nice to you, right? All the time. There were some folks that were not nice, <laughs> but I generally instinctively just didn't hang out with them. Yeah, yeah. And I would just, I would form groups of people and we always like kind of had each other's backs. I was in like a lot of female improv teams, yeah. you know. Which is great. It's fucking awesome. And there are power dynamic skills at play there, but typically, you know, when you're doing that, there's not a leader somewhere where you have to, like, you're you're idolizing. Maybe from afar, maybe you're like, I love this comedian or this this improv person is hilarious. But oh, I had crushes, absolutely, sure. yeah. Sure. But I was also really awkward. Let's keep that in mind. So be like, hey, Betty. <laughs> And he would always like they would always go for the other girl and I'd be so left so confused. So like, why? But like, thank God they did. I mean, honestly, thank God that they did. <laughs> um, I don't think it would have worked in your favor. No. So, you know, there are dynamics at play everywhere. But with parasocial relationships really popping off with vlogging, there is just a bounty of adult men. And also, I'm certain women and non-binary, all kinds of people who are using things like YouTube as, you know, a vending machine stocked with minors oh, for wow. their perusal. I'd like B12. Yeah, that's how it feels. So artists and musicians manipulating people for sex and favors isn't new, right? I mean, I feel like in the time of Montley Crew, they would just go point at a babe in the audience and she'd be whisked away, crowd surfed to the back dressing room for a fun night in of... S and D's. Oh wow! Remember those songs? Like she's only seventeen. I mean, every if you go back through every song from the last ten decades, it's all just like it's illegal for me to kiss you, and that's why we're getting married. <laughs> it makes me hard when your mother cries. Yes. Yeah, but a lot of times with like the you know. For example, the hair metal bands and stuff like that. We could have a whole conversation about what consent looks like in that situation. Like, was she coerced? Was she willingly loving it? I'm sure both of those things happen many times in those situations. I'm sure sometimes those women were fucking 
thrilled to oh, be yeah. back there. Um, get which this is, rock star dick inside of me. Right. But he's so probably coked out. He's not going to come. He's not going to get it up. I'm sure, honestly, I'm and I'm just speculating. I'm mm-hmm. sure the babe goes in the dressing room, ready to fuck, and he's just like crying on her shoulder about how no one loves him. Uh, and it's he probably happened out. quite a bit. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. probably true. Technically, you know, if an adult fan and an adult artist want to mutually hook up, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to sex shame if a person wants to sleep with celebrities or whatever. That can be a thing that is like amicable, mutually beneficial for people. And that's fine. Actually, if you ever read The Satanic Witch, Anton LaVey posits that actually the musician or actor or artist that's in the power seat in that situation is actually submitting and handing power over to that fan and that they are giving their power away. That's just an interesting... Because the fan could write a blog and be like, his dick was tiny. Yeah. He came to quink. Or she, you know, whatever. She was a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if both parties are enthusiastic, adults and consenting, that's cool, whatever. When this power dynamic takes a huge swing when you introduce vlogging and interacting with fans on a regular basis. So instead of being at the Motley Crue concert where you might see somebody in the audience and then you like do your thing and then it's over. Now you are developing this weird intimate relationship with people through vlogs. Even with adults, that can become an issue. And if you are a sex predator looking for minors, it is a four alarm situation. However, one of the reasons the subject affects me so much and why we're talking about it is that it seems like over and over again, there are certain of these little pocket genres where nobody of authority seems to care at all. Oh, they're just kids. They're just kids playing around. Yeah, I guess they're just not ideal victims or something. No matter how much I look into it, there are mostly only other vloggers in social media, people trying to get attention to some of these teens and young adults who have been victimized, like not a little bit, like a lot victimized. And I do think that it is once again, like we've talked about before, an advocate issue. It seems like a lot of the time, and this is not an always situation, but a lot of the time when somebody young gets enveloped into something like a niche music scene, it's because they're searching for belonging, right? right? Many times that's because they don't have a steady home life. Sometimes they don't have strong parental figures. Sometimes there's alcoholism or something in the house and they don't feel very protected. And if they don't have that, who is going to protect them if that very scene is preying upon that very problem? Oh, nobody. Yeah. So there are many musicians and communities of people where they are very supportive and helpful and understand each other. I mean, I would there's problems in every community, but like with the ICP people, a lot of them are really, you know, community for each other. I like Insane Clown Posse. I've met a few juggalos. They have been a 10 out of 10 nice people. Yeah. And typically they are. And they look out for each other in that way most of the time. But... There are people who see this as a hunting ground. Mm. So there are so many of these guys, these artists or whatever you want to call them, and women and non-binary people. I could really make an entire season's content worth of stories here. But again, I'm not here to just like call out very specific people, even though we're going to talk about some as much as I want to address the issue and the people who are suffering within it. So I'm going to talk about a few of these artists, I guess I have to keep calling them artists, um, who are prolific in this world of alleged fan grooming, who really haven't faced many consequences. And I really think it's a massive failing on the justice system's part, you know? 
That being said, some of these cases are, are currently ongoing, so they may write themselves at some point. But from where they stand right now, it just really seems like nobody gives a shit. Yeah, because some of these people are they're famous. But when you're like YouTube famous, it's yeah. different than like Meryl Streep. Yep. You know, and that could be a double edged sword that's good or bad with fame now, because now anybody can like work in entertainment. But mm-hmm. that also means like some people's not going to give a shit as much. You yeah. Know? And they are more able to slip through the cracks of certain things. One of the most prolifically notorious instances of this kind of person who has actually been already arrested. But I feel like we need to talk about him for several reasons. Is a man I'm not going to spend a ton of time on, but, you know, I need to mention him due to the fact that, in my opinion, he is the embodiment the fullest, ugliest expression of the harm that paranormal exploitation can reap and sow. This man's name is Ian Watkins. And I'm going to put a caveat right at the top that you should exercise extreme caution if you're going to look further into the story. I didn't. And I had a bad afternoon. I know. I, t- I, I told you. You did. You did. I'm sorry. But I was like, I can handle it. I couldn't. Yeah, it's awful. It is the absolute worst of the worst. And I said this whenever we were discussing Josh Duggar's stuff. You know, you can decide it's up to your own discretion what you want to read. But I personally don't think you'll necessarily get anything out of reading the full details and it will absolutely ruin the rest of your day. Yeah, I had chicken fingers researching this and the chicken fish started tasting awful. Yeah, no, it made me sick. I was lucky the day I was telling you earlier. That was the day I ended up, I was going to Not Scary Farm when I really had to do that. I put this off till the end right before this episode because I was just like, I know I have to make sure I'm fact checking. I have to fact check this stuff. I have to make sure I have the right stuff about this story but I it was it was making me I almost had a panic attack which I haven't had I really don't have very many I'm sorry anymore. Natalie but it, I mean that's what that's you know you got to do it sometimes part of this sh- doing the show but you know I didn't even want to cover that much of him but I needed to make sure it was all correct so I personally doing this research didn't even read the full court transcript and it affected me that much and that's all I'm going to say the main points are that he is currently in jail and his charges stem around sex crimes and they involve babies. Ian Watkins is a Welsh man who was the former lead singer of the band Lost Prophets. But like not even his voice isn't even good i mean it has like a hook and a line so i can see how it because the american market picked it up mm-hmm. i can see how that happened but his voice gonna like this i as an adult woman can read the douchebaggery through mm-hmm. it immediately but i can see as a younger girl i would mm-hmm. be like he's so cool with his tattoos mm-hmm. Almost like he is doing it as a predator. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that music is not for me. It never was. Not even if not for the crimes happening. This is not. Arrest him because he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of sad boy, fake, tough guy music for little girls. It just is. It's a group of guys who look tough and cool, who front like they're playing bad boy music, but it's really shitty Maroon 5 lyrics that make a girl feel simultaneously safe, but cool and edgy at the yeah. same time. It's like if corn was played at CVS. Yeah, I mean, like, Korn is off the scales of talented next to these guys. Like, this is basically pop music, but it's masquerading as, like, this tough thing because it is meant for little girls. 
That is who their audience was. They can say all day long, that's not who they were making music for. This is for teens. This is for teen girls. And that's not a crime on its own. Some people are just simply profiting off of, you know, all of those hormones rushing around in, in girls. Other people, however, are not innocent when they're doing this sort of music and making these sort of artistic choices. Other people have other reasons that they're doing it. So by all accounts that I could personally find, Ian Watkins had a very normal, boring childhood. I haven't researched every corner about him, basically, because I don't care. <laughs> he started playing music as a teen, and he went on to form some bands, blah, blah, blah. It, it was just a standard. He sounded like a dickhead in those early bands. Like, the band members would be like, we don't like working with him. He's too e egotistical. And for a band member to say that, I mean, you're very egotistical. Yeah, and you could probably say that about a lot of singers of bands and front men of bands. Not always, but... That sounds like maybe just normal rock star attitude stuff. So there wasn't as far as anybody. I mean, we don't never going to know what the band actually ever knew. But from the outside, there wasn't any like necessarily red flags that I found early on. For many years, he considered himself straight edge. And he wore that sort of personality, which is when you're like actively straight edge, you wear all the little patches and you talk about it all right. the time and everything. Don't you have X's on your hands? Usually. And you have them like, you know, either get them tattooed or you have stuff on your jacket that says it. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. That's actually its own little scene, you know. But somewhere along the line of this musical career, he started getting into drugs and then he started doing a lot of drugs. Now, I don't think simply doing drugs will turn into a person into whatever that thing is that he is. But, you know, for some people who've got that level of emptiness inside, the drugs can be kind of a catalyst into action. You know, it might give them that edge over the urges they have finally like releasing whatever fucking nonsense is going on in there. That little animal that's kept inside. Mm -hmm. You know, any kind of need, really. I mean, there's a little bit of Chris Watts in him in that his true nature didn't really necessarily always show to this level like the level of darkness he had was not always shown what did chris watts do oh chris oh you know, i don't even want to tell you if you know what chris watts did and who is he is he's he... a he's a dad he was a dad does he sing foolish games no no he's just a man okay he was in the crime news for his actions. I, all right. I should know who he is. No, you I, don't. I apologize. I'm glad you don't know. Please. It's wonderful. I look at the crime news, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, this is from a couple years ago. But this man who I, I just referenced is also a person who was able to mask very well and then suddenly did not. Mask off. Mask off. Very quickly. So perhaps Ian didn't really show anything until he did. Just something in his brain. It was spoken of, however, on the fan blogs for years that Watkins had a proclivity for young girls. At first, it seems as though it was a fetish for teens and the barely legals, but that was only the surface. Whatever Ian Watkins is, isn't really what I would consider a human. It's like he's not a per. No, I don't mean that in like a he's a like a demon because I feel like that's giving him too much fanfare. He's like an insect. He's just a skin bag of human shit. Yeah. So whatever the drug use eventually drew out of him was a sadistic urge to take and take and take and continue to make victims more and more unable to defend themselves. I'm not going to go into details, but after progressively becoming more deranged, he eventually groomed some of his fans into giving him their babies. You can fill in the blanks with that. Not only that, but 
the women would often participate in this worshipful kind of obedience to him. How much do you obey this man? How locked in are you that this child that you had in your body for nine months comes out and you're like, oh, I'll let you do whatever you want. Well, they would also usually participate with him. Yes. I'll do it, too. Yeah. You're happy. Yeah. I don't know. Monsters. Um, Yeah. No. And exactly. Those women are vile. Unspeakable, really. I think I do believe that they started out as his grooming victims because they were incredibly young. Most of them when he started to get his hands on them, but they became predators. They became perpetrators as well. Acts that I couldn't even, I can't even get through reading what they did. Yeah, I was listening to what they did and it made me sour to my chicken Mm tendies. So I'm not going to repeat it. No, no, I don't want to. Two of the women are also currently serving prison sentences. I will say that. It's pretty fair to assume that these women, however, would not have done these things if not for the direct attention and direction from this shitty musician. So this is like the full expression of what a parasocial relationship can bring because they, you know, they were groupies. But they also this was when MySpace was really popping off. And this is where he started hunting people. Basically, he would develop relationships through MySpace. The other reason I wanted to bring him up was because this case also gives an example of how these sorts of cases are often ignored by officials. An ex-girlfriend of Watkins first learned of his proclivities when he made some comments that she found disturbing. Oh, because he was like, I want to get you pregnant and then abuse the child? It was, yeah, it was comments about kids. So she broke up with him and immediately went to the police and she was promptly brushed off and ignored by the cops. She didn't know that at the time, however. Whenever she made that report, they were like, oh, okay, I will look into it. Go away. That happens. I was walking down the streets of L.A. like on Sunset and Gower in the middle of the day. And there was an unhoused man fully nude. And I call the police because we're all walking by. Women are on the streets. I call 911. Yeah. And like, I don't really call 911. But it's like, you can't just be a dude walking around naked. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, thanks. And then like nobody, no cop cars. Man. Because it's like the middle of L.A. Yeah. They're not, unless you're actively breaking into a bank or a house. They yeah. They really give a shit. That's rough, man. That dude probably also needed like to go to a hospital or something. Yeah. Probably not doing good. No. No, you can't be doing that shit, man. Oh, but I led the conversation astray. But no, you it, didn't. You didn't. Sometimes they don't really, you know, check up on things. No. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So when she did that, she assumed they were going to look into him and she just went about her business. When nothing happened and Watkins sort of like started creeping back into her life, He was like, I was making a joke. And she was like, well, the cops like did the thing. She felt bad. She thought she made a big mistake. And 
just was like, oh, I apologize. I guess you were being edgy. And then she started dating him again. When she did that, I think he took it as a sign that he could start unleashing his fantasies on her because she was like, okay with it. So he very quickly started saying more to her. Wow. And she went, oh, no, you're you not real. kidding. <laughs> I mean, I could see in her mind, she was like, you know, I can't even imagine somebody thinking like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably just joking. I want him to be joking. Right. I would like to be wrong. Sure. And maybe that was a terrible mistake for her to do that. But I've definitely made really bad decisions with guys and justified things that were red flags and things like that. And she really thought she made a mistake. However, when that happened, she's like, yeah, I, that sounds really cool. Would you send me some of this stuff? And so she got it on her computer, took it to the police And they refused to look at her computer. Wow. She was like, I have documented images. I have writing from him that says this is what he does and what he likes to do. And is this in Wales? Uh, Yes. Yeah, this is the UK. And they said, "Uh, I can't look at this right now. You got to go. Like, blew her off. And she says, and I believe this, that it was because she was a known former sex worker. So they treated her like trash. And they treated her like she was crazy, like, oh, you're an obsessed fan. And they wouldn't even look at it. Oh and my she God. had it. She had the evidence. There. Before we were recording, I was telling you, I knew a couple sex workers back in New York and they mm-hmm. started their own little website that was private, but they would like share information on it. Like this guy shows up late. This guy goes over the clock. This guy pushes the boundaries. Yeah. Just to like know what they're dealing with and yeah. maybe block somebody, you know, if they were like doing the wrong things. And that website got shut down by the police. So you don't believe her when she says. It's probably because half the Johns were cops. Probably. So you don't believe the sex workers when they say here's a crime that's happening but you do believe them when they're trying to protect each other yeah okay great yeah so that woman ended up going a total of six times to the police where each time she told them if you're not going to believe me i'm going to escalate this until there's so much evidence you cannot ignore me anymore she kept telling them that And so she would force herself into these. She never participated in it, but she managed to get him to send, like get him to trust her enough for him to send her CSAM that she was collecting and going to the cops and saying, I have this. That's so dangerous because also they could be like, ma'am, had that get on your computer and she could go to jail. Oh, well, just listen. So she did this six times and they ignored her. Each time they threw out of the station, even though every time she brought more evidence, you know how he finally got caught? Mm. They were doing a drug raid. So it wasn't the many, many reports that were put out about him with CSAM. It was because they were trying to find weed. After the evidence was finally collected from him and he started facing charges, the local police sort of acknowledged that they had fucked up on the news. They sort of went, oh, we did get some reports and maybe we didn't act enough or whatever. Why is weed so much more than C-scam? CSAM? I think, one, because people don't like to accept that it's real. And two, I think that there are sexual predators in every facet of the world. I don't believe in cabals, but there are government officials, there's cops, there's everybody in authority. There's one or two people who are also sex predators. Who who are like ahead of it and like, oh, wow, that's so bad. Let me see that evidence. Right. I, I do think that that's probably partly the case, but that's just speculation on my end. All right. But I also think it's that it's really hard for people to deal with it. They don't want to look at it. That's the same with families. They brush, you know, familial child abuse under the rug because it's like it's going to fuck everything up. Yeah. Just put it away. Put it away. Sweep it under the rug. And then you play dominoes years later and mm-hmm. you're just like, you always win. You yeah. always win. And you're like, this <laughs> isn't about the dominoes. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So 
they finally found evidence when this happened. They went on the news. They said, oh, whoopsies. Apparently, the sex girlfriend says when they were in private, they apologized to her. And then they tried to arrest her for possession of CSAM. Fuck them, man. You know, (laughs) this is stuff she risked her life and freedom for because they would not listen to her. And she told them that she was going to do this, that she was going to keep trying to give evidence until they stopped him. So fortunately, her charges were dismissed in court after that. But the audacity to arrest her for trying to help. I bet there was like one cop at the top that was like, oh, we can't have this just like say that it slipped under our little greasy fingertips. So I'm going to arrest her. And he's just like some dude with a tie that's too tight around his neck. And just- God knows. Yeah, I believe it. And who knows? Maybe one of those people was paying one of the cops at the top off or something. You know, who knows? Who knows? Even if it was completely accidental, they fucked up big time. Yeah. So more people were hurt. Like within that time span, when she was trying to get them to stop, he hurt a lot of people. So the problem we're seeing with current YouTube and music personalities. Oh, by the way, also, he was then sentenced to, I believe, 30 years, which is not by no means enough. He is clearly a person who is not reformable. As soon as he gets out, he is going to definitely reoffend. Yeah. What he did, what I heard you can't reform that. And I'm no. a big, I'm not a punishment person. No, we don't have the medicine or the technology or whatever we need to deal with somebody like this enough to them be on the streets because he won't stop. No. He actually already was caught trying to groom a young mother from jail. He brought a cell phone in jail, right? He had a cell phone and he only got 10 months added to his sentence. And I think that was because of the cell phone, not for the fact that he was actively grooming a 22 year old with a small child from jail. So jail didn't even stop him. He has no remorse. He thinks it's funny. 30 years is definitely not sufficient, but at least he will be an old man when he gets out of jail. Not even that old, though. He'll be in like his 60s. Plenty of plenty of years left. I've definitely seen 60 year old men at the club Mm -hmm. like, you know, young girls in there like scouring for us. Yep. Yep. At least he'll like his like cute factor will be like pretty push down there he is one of those guys he's like in a ted bundy sense of when he's moving around and with all the shapes and stuff he's like oh i see how people thought he was cute but when you look at him face on he's really hideous and like you can see what's under the skin of him he'll his face looks fucked up and that was the way with ted bundy he's not actually handsome he's got this he can camouflage as handsome but he's actually kind of like a ghoul yeah i never got why people thought he was attractive i was like this guy I think probably at least in comparison to some other serial killers. But yeah, no, that's how I feel about this fucking piece of shit. So this is a problem we're seeing with current YouTube and music personalities right now, which is there's a trove of evidence being provided to authorities. And yet some of these dudes have yet to face any sort of consequence. Oh, because they're just YouTube. It's the YouTube. It's just YouTubers. They're being crazy. They're getting on the interwebs and they're just doing the YouTubes. It's like my mom describing what I do. She gets yes. on the thing and then talks. And she talks and then it goes into the outer space. I know. But God bless her. She tries. It's yep. nice. I like hearing it. Then it's cute, but uh, but these not are- whenever you're trying to stop crimes <laughs> no. from happening. So I guess partly maybe that has to do with the fact that the victims and witnesses are less than perfect. Maybe they're unideal. Maybe they come from broken homes, that sort of thing. So some are more straightforward. Some of these YouTubers cases and like pretty predictable sort of sex offender activity and some have actually seen some action being taken like with the former youtuber mike lombardo who after it was discovered that he had been video sexting with over 10 underaged girls who were his fans 
So, yeah, that guy was getting all these underage girls to sext him, like video sext him. And the youngest was 14. Most of them are 15 years old. And he was in his like he was almost 30. So. Oh, and I saw this is a video. There's like a young girl and her dad gets on camera and starts yelling. I think that's actually the next guy I'm going to mention. I'm sorry. You don't got to be sorry. Okay. I think that's an I believe that's the next guy. Yeah. So these were all fans of his channel. And he was sort of a musician. He like played piano. He sang. He was actually eventually sentenced to five years in jail. And that was in 2014. So he's actually already out. Oh, great. Maybe he's on Tinder. I'm probably I'm not on his age profile. That's for sure. That's a good thing. Yeah. This sort of guy is perhaps easier to get charges pushed against him because there was tech evidence of him essentially saying, hey, uh, I can go to jail for you sending me this video that, of sex that you're sending to me because you're underage and I am in my late 20s. So don't tell anyone, lol. What an idiot. Yeah. So it's not like a sophisticated criminal. He basically just outed himself in text so it was easy, pretty easy for FBI to kind of just swoop in and get him, although he only got fucking five years. There was a similar case involving a YouTuber named Austin Jones who would cover popular alt band songs. Again, kind of leaning into that scene appeal of like he had the floppy hair and he did like My Chemical Romance covers and stuff like that. And people loved him. He was actually getting a lot of attention and probably had a music career ahead of him. He actually had an album at the top of the iTunes charts in 2014, and he got signed on to Warped Tour. However, that all came to a crashing halt when young girls started coming forward with accusations that he coerced them into making sexual videos for him. Actually, one of the minor girls began a Change.org petition to get him removed from the Warped Tour. Wow. And shortly thereafter, he made a confession video. All of this evidence, and it is just him making a video sort of going, I think being a little detached from the gravity of what was about to happen to him because he made it sort of like, man, I did bad. <laughs> uh, sorry, everybody. I did videos with minors and they... Have, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All right. Come on now. Come on now. Unfortunately, that was enough for the FBI to raid his technology. And they found explicit videos of the minor girls from his fan base who he coerced into doing sex videos. In 2014, that's a very brave thing for that young lady to do, to do change.org. Oh, I know. I agree. At that time, I think that was just before Me Too. Yeah. I'll make two years. Yeah. Yeah. And even when Me Too hit, people were like, shut up. No. Yeah, yeah. You know, totally. So for her to go out alone and start doing that before that movement happened, that's yeah. a huge deal. It is, but it's very incredible, truly. And for what is worth, I'm not sure why, but he received 10 years, which is quite surprising to me. I haven't delved far enough into his story to find out how and why he got such a lengthy sentence, which is not actually, for the record, in my opinion, a long sentence. I wish that it was longer, but we don't have a great track record in the U.S. for sex offenders. So 10 years is pretty impressive, to be honest. Wow. Also, the guy that did The Girls Gone Wild, he's still fine. He's in Mexico. He was rich enough to get away with it. Yeah. I mean, that's all it boils down to. He didn't have money because rich people don't get charged with crimes. No, they don't. You know who didn't get removed from Warped Tour? I know because I was on Warped Tour with him. There's a gentleman who is a founding member of the band called Blood on the Dance Floor. Blood on the Dance Floor. Whose name is Jesus David Torres, but is more well known as Davi Vanity. 
I'm going to, moving forward, be referring to him as Jesus Torres. Yeah, this guy sucks assholes. Man, what a total butt muncher. Yeah, he's definitely a butt muncher. I don't think that there was widely spread accusations at the time when I was on Warp Tour with him, although there were accusations out at that point, And he was certainly acting out on his impulses, allegedly, because there were allegations at the time. I had no idea in 2011 who he was or who the ban was, nor did I know there was allegations against this person. But the earliest that I've come across that kids were accusing him of stuff was 2007. Woo! And I'm sure the vast majority of the people who were on tour with him and, and me didn't know these things either at the time. It's not fun to speak about this guy because... Guys like him love this attention. They want to hear their name out there. But it's so incredibly frustrating that we're at this place where it seems like independent sources have to keep resurfacing these stories because it's not going anywhere. I know in 2020 he was being looked at by the FBI, but it has not publicly been made known that anything is happening. And I feel like we have to keep talking about it because his charges are bad and they're vast we're going to get into him and, and a couple other artists. Oh, I hate calling them that next episode. And we will be moving away from the parasocial exploitation series soon, I promise. But there's just so much. It's like this many-legged spider, the center yeah. being greed and perversion. And the music scene is so interesting and insidious because you want to belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Every kid you know, they feel ostracized from their family and I'm so sad and alone and, oh, this person, wow, they get me. I mm-hmm. like them. I'm going to keep going and listening. I'm going to go to the concert. I'm going to get backstage. I'm going to leave a comment. And sometimes the person on the other side notices the comment and goes, excellent. I have a victim. These fucking kind of people read yeah. kids. They read them and they know how to deal with it and they know what to do. They know the right things to say. And then now your savior, the someone mm-hmm. that you thought could save you, is actually the devil. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you have to turn to? It's true. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of their tactics, some of the ways that they do this. And I don't know. We're going to talk more, like I said, with our friend Mackenzie in October about some of the things that we can try to do to help change the laws and rules around this sort of relationship that people have been developing with minors on the Internet. Yeah. But it's going to be okay. It'll be okay, Natalie. It's going to be okay. We're going to make things better. Not just me and you. I just mean like the world. We're all going to work on it. Yeah, I think the more we talk about it, the more people, you know, you you open your eyes to it. Like I had no idea how many dog whistles were on TikTok for pedophilia. We started talking about it doing the episode. I'm like, holy smokes. Yeah. And it is that also that challenge of, of looking at what is evidence-based research and things that you can point to and logically look at and go, these are things that are clearly happening. We have this evidence and things that are made up nonsense story type and things that have like sometimes a political agenda or whatever. It's another thing that we all have to really work on as a society is like differentiating between those two because we've obviously had a really hard time in the last few years with that. But yeah, I mean, this stuff really is out in the open, well-documented. So we're going to end that Today, we're going to end it there. We're going to return back with some warp Tour stories. And you can follow us at someplace underneath in the United Gene. Amber Smelson. And we're always saucy, pert, and greasy, no matter what these fuckers try to do to us. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.